2: During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. I have crossed
0: oceans of time to find you. <sighs> yeah. Dracula. Hello, hello, welcome, (laughs) that was was bad, (laughs) to day 11, lucky number 11 of 31 for 31, a Halloween podcast where we compiled 31 perfect movies for the month of October to lead you up feeling spooky all month until Halloween. And today we've got a treat for you, everyone's favorite Coppola film, best he ever made, This is Francis Ford Coppola's Brand Stroker's Dracula, 1992's finest porn film.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that somehow made $215 million at the box office. People believe
1: all over this. (laughs) But at the same time, it makes perfect sense.
2: It's like Batman, but it's a
0: Batman.
1: This should have been a, a bomb, but a pretty big success.
0: Let me ask you a quick question, Jamie. Does a wolf fuck a human being in Batman?
2: They don't. They
0: don't. You know? Jamie's
2: been ragging on this movie the whole time.
0: Yeah, Jamie doesn't understand (laughs) art. This This came out right
1: before my second birthday. So you know what?
2: You're aging yourself.
0: I wasn't born I I wasn't born until this movie came out because (laughs) I didn't think the Earth was worthwhile. And then this movie came out and I was like, send me to Earth. This
2: movie was nominated for four Academy Awards.
0: Yeah. Best movie ever. Best song to ever be recorded. (laughs) Annie Lennox's Love Song for a Vampire. I know you just paused that song to listen to
1: this because it's so prolific in your life. Was not nominated.
0: Not nominated. Big, big flub. She got her uh, chance
1: with Lord of the Rings later, but. I
0: know a lot of people, you know, the Golden Globes are gone as of the time of this recording. The Oscars are gone to me for not nominating Love Song for a Vampire, you know.
2: And before we get into it, I wanted to read you when I, because this is the first time I'd ever seen it, so I looked up the movie on commonsensemedia.org, where <laughs> as now, you do every where film now you parents go to check, and this says, parents need to know that this movie is not your average run-of-the-mill Dracula, <laughs> No, baby. but a highly sexualized and violent version from mature audiences only.
0: I swear to God, I would go as far as to even say it's not your daddy's track.
2: This film is filled with multiple graphic images of violent bloodletting sex. <laughs>
0: uh, Actually, I, if it's sex, is it violent? Yeah. So, it, I don't know. Call me ready
2: know. because I did not know what I was getting into.
0: I feel like there's, you know, the bloodletting sometimes isn't necessarily violent. Everybody's consenting to it in certain circumstances. Other times, no. You know, other times it's bad stuff. So, I, I think this is a, this is mixed a fair bag, amount of consent. I don't area. know if it's. You know, yeah, psychologically I, controlled an but. amount of which that I'm worried about, based off Winona Ryder's character, which we'll get into, based off of her involvement in the in the, in the romance. But uh, I will say that uh, I am better than most people. I've read Dracula, so hold your applause. Um,
2: <laughs> I've read Dracula, know. Jamie. I have Jamie? not read Dracula. Wow. I haven't read Dracula. Wow, wow, Jamie.
0: It just means we're better than most people. <laughs> wow, and, you get uh, it for
2: free on your Kindle
0: yeah same with frankenstein you know i i I had the chance (laughs) to
1: read it i remember in i think sixth grade or sixth or seventh grade and my teacher kind of it was like a project where everyone would pick a book and the teacher would have to read it as well and like talk to you about it and the teacher kind of strongly hinted that she was not going to be happy if you picked dracula she was like and also dracula's on here if anyone wants to read it and like you could just like the way she intoned it was like no one picked this book I don't want to read it so J- I, re- Jamie I read I went this- <laughs> to Montessori school so, I, yeah. yeah I went I read uh, the screw tape letters instead which I there thought was go. a better use of my time but oh, okay. uh,
0: screw those tape <laughs> watching the screw, screw those tape letters the, this movie did
1: a good job right I, I when, why do you need Christian
0: movie. apologetics when you have a wolf having sex with a human being you know um, Keanu but-
1: Reeves doing. Arguably
0: well, the best. <laughs> I mean, he, he Hello, absolutely I'm dissolved into Rage. that role. The most
1: convincing Ben Jackson ever.
0: Jonathan <laughs> Hawkins. It, it's posh, um,
2: Jamie. It's not, it's not like the Brits you hang out with. You wouldn't yeah. understand it.
0: And I think the best performance in this film is specifically Gary Oldman as a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still my favorite <laughs> moment of all time. Anyway, just to cut to, to some t- table dressing. It's not your daddy's track. You know, and that's the gothic nature. This is obviously, you know, the heightened big, 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 big bigness of this movie being so epic only lends itself to being a true, masterful Halloween movie because it hits all hits all the notes you need. It's got all your classic universal monsters wrapped up into one. You don't need to go anywhere else. Just Romania and London. So I wanted to just emphasize that if you're hearing notes about this movie, we're not making them up. They were either... Litmus test in the book and just super weird. So they got cut out of all the other Universal and Hammer films or horny Frank Coppola inventions, you know. And so if you hear those two things and you're not used to it, that's why you're hearing it. Um, but my favorite choice that this movie makes is just tie in first and foremost, Dracula's Vlad the Impla- Impaler. It's settled. It's canon, <laughs> you know. So we, this whole movie is is a reincarnation, mummy and moon style, <laughs> you know, that, that trope romance between Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder. Gary Oldman's Vlad the Impaler, impales a bunch of invading Turks, but they tell his beloved that he died. They were lying. He comes back. She killed herself. It's a situation. So he gives up on Christianity and becomes a blood-sucking demon. So, I think that that's great. I think that his armor in this scene is great. Give it a Google. But that's why this movie tends to be super weird because it makes a choice very early on that's not in any other Dracula thing that the whole reason that Dracula is going to London and doing all his escapades isn't just because he likes to be evil, it's because he wants to get his reincarnated bride back. So that's the big thesis of this movie. The whole love never dies reason that they pack the seats in 1992 was because of this big romance that is made up for this movie which i think is a an interesting choice i will say
2: but i think it, i think it works as a a driver cuz from reading the book and then starting off with that i mean first you see the armor which is amazing which was kind of the only introduction i had had from seeing the poster where you have gary oldman's dracula covering his eyes and the armor is behind him i thought the armor is going to play a much bigger role in the movie than it does, but I like that they changed it a bit to be Vlad the Impaler, and you have this this immediate love story.
0: I mean, he's got two little. Anytime he's around, he's got two things sticking out of his head.
2: Could be hair. Could be well, yeah.
1: It could be the
0: butt, could be ears. The butt. <laughs> Could be the, the classic ass. Mr. Burns <laughs> butt head
1: on his head. Ass on it's his a beautiful head. look. Tell me if that's in the book, if, if, if uh, Dracula is described as having,
0: yeah, having an, a, an absolute ass crap on his head. <laughs> on the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> and a rat tail coming out of it. But yeah, this movie is done up very much, you know, I think with a certain mix that I would describe as 90% reference, 10% camp. Where I think 90% of it is just absolutely going full on Baroque gothic with this big, 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 big story. They they just made it as big and as epic as possible that a contained epistolatory novel can be, you know, but then 10% of it, I think just. So that we don't understand the people who made this film as completely nuts, even though it's Coppola. Like, there's a little sprinkle of just we're having fun with this because we know that this is wild. And I think yeah. that that is a delicate. Ma- I mean, I think a lot of people that would criticize this movie thinks it's too self serious for the subject matter and would want that to be closer to seventy five twenty five. But I want ninety five five. You know, I want the- <laughs> this movie's in love with itself.
2: And there's a technical skill that you only get from someone like Coppola, where if this was any you know campier or worse shot it wouldn't come off so well He he's able to move the camera and do some practical effects that are pretty incredible it's insane yeah,
0: yeah and that, the the superimposition editing is so corny in the hands of anyone else but there's yeah. so much very very beautiful very very colorful superimposition yeah. of two different images layered on top of each other that you say that as a device and you're like that's a dumb, corny thing that, like George Lucas, would do in a prequel, and then you're like, "Wait a minute! That actually is a really great shot of like a train, but then it's on a book." Yeah, the, and, then, and like, the eyes.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's become corny too, just because it's like the simplest effect to do now in the digital age. You just like change some opacity modes and change some layers, whereas back then you're actually doing double exposures and practical projection, rear screen and front screen. It's much more yeah. interesting. And
0: there's a real texture to this movie that makes everything feel very 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 practical i yeah. think
2: except for i mean even the moments from, that we'll talk about. yeah i mean <laughs> from the start though that one lightning strike that's like a practical light is awesome i was like sign me up for this and then and then it kind of bounced me around the carriage a bit more than i was prepared for
0: oh
1: <laughs> bouncy bounce the audience going into this certainly has to gear themselves for what they're in for and like you have to like set your expectations and like what sort of movie you're in going in with like the wrong foot forward kind of spoils the entire movie it can kind of totally warp what you're seeing and you're like this is fucking ridiculous which it is but i think there is something going on here that is commendable and only coppola who i don't know how i mean with The Godfather, like you just look at his filmography, and it's like he goes out and does The Godfather, and then like he has all these kind of crazy big swings. He keeps getting like you know these pitches to him, and he's just like swinging for the fences. And He, he was also
2: <laughs> running out of money all the time, yeah.
1: I mean, that's his, but <laughs> I, man with a gun to his back. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. listened like The Cotton Club didn't really work out, but <laughs> this movie, like uh, you know, was not exactly loved necessarily by critics i i don't know what percentage it is on rotten tomatoes but it did make a good amount of money although i think he also
2: sure and then he goes yeah then he goes on to do jack and the rainmaker
0: <laughs> he <laughs> had a difficult it all, 90s. this <laughs> is his finest three. film of the 90s de- declaratively i think he comes right off of godfather 3 he's like all right you guys didn't like that you guys didn't like that? You thought it was a little too uh, off the beaten path for what you were expecting from me? All right, I'm going to mess with you a little bit more. And the people are like, oh, he's doing Dracula. That'll be meat and potatoes. No, 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 no. He sort of borscht. He gave it to us. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, just going to dive in and talk about how moment for moment this subverts expectations. If you're clicking on this on Netflix, as many did last year even, and just said, I'm watching a vampire movie. So much of the pleasure of watching this movie is what I think is most entertaining about Dracula as a character. And I think what makes him the best Halloween character of all of the universal monsters, it's because he is an indefinable demon. I think that there are limits put upon him that if you watch Twilight and you say, why are they glowing and not, you know, why they need to have rules like zombies have rules. Why is this happening? He never had rules. He got to do whatever the fuck he wanted. He's just a, he's fucking antichrist, pretty much. He gets to be gas. He gets to be a wolf. He gets to be a bat. He gets to be a lizard person. He, he can be eyes whatever.
2: in the sky.
0: He's whatever. You know, don't worry about it. He's pretty much omnipotent. And then he has a. There are a couple rules on how to kill him that are strange, but he can I kind love of be flames
2: on the ground. That might have yeah, been him. He can, he can be a
1: pile of rats that <laughs> form a human
0: aroma person. Don't worry about it. You know, he is just this indefinable. Evil darkness that gets to have great speeches with his, you know, the only real monster in universal monsters that has a true nemesis that has a reason to, you know, a metaphysician. Dutchman who wants to destroy incarnate <laughs> darkness. You know, like that's a fun Abraham Van Helsing foil. So I think that's why in this movie there's a lot of surprises where it's like, okay, he's a wolf man, he's a, you know, he's this, he's that. Why, why did they invent that? Of course, a lot of that's in the original book, you know, all that's been said. But I think that matches up that sense of, oh my gosh, wonder happens scene to scene to scene in this movie, in a way where a lot of other movies where there are monsters, they expect you two hours in for the main characters to still be surprised that there's a monster. Cause they, when you're like, couldn't they have wrapped their head around the fact that like zombies need to be shot in the head by now. Whereas in this movie, it's like every single moment to moment, it's like, Jesus Christ, now he's green gas. (laughs) You know, like Jesus Christ. Now he's just like a straight up like dark angel demon. you know? So I think that that plays a very important part into why it's just a really fun beat-to-beat movie, even though at times it's slow, at times it's plotty. Just anytime Gary Oldman gets to be on screen doing something wild, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, look at this now, and they did it all practically and he looks great, and he's he's hamming it up. You know, so I think that's my plea for, bra- b- you know, BS's D is my, <laughs> you know, is a good movie monster, just because he is about the, he's more thematic than he is material, in terms of, like, limits and rules.
2: Yeah.
1: dracula as a film let's call the film cinematic version of dracula has we have so much he's been in a million movies he's kind of like sherlock holmes and all of these things that kind of come from dracula from the movies have nothing to do with the actual character like i think like all the christopher lee ones he's affected by sunlight whereas here he actually turns into like hot dracula (laughs) like
0: under the sun you can't say he wasn't affected you know like
2: (laughs) And the difference with like the novel, uh, Jamie, since you haven't read it, is it's 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 more correspondences and letters and, and you know, newspaper articles. You're not really getting this first person perspective of Dracula. You're yeah, hearing anytime about Anytime there's
0: it. a tense fight scene, it's epistolatory. So it's like, well, I wrote this letter, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you kind of have an Jonathan idea. Jonathan Harker writes,
0: on. you know, it's like so and I, I like that in terms of how. A movie like this could also really trim the fat of how involved the plot to get Dracula back is. They include all of these fun auxiliary characters all the way down from basically the cast is set as every guy who's horny for this one girl in London becomes friends out of their mutual horniness for her. (laughs) And then she gets, you know pretty much turned by dracula they're all collectively mad and they all go out against her to to you know have revenge for her meanwhile her best friend is married to the main character and he's just kind of like well i'll come too because i'm worried about dracula now liking my wife in this one it's obviously a little bit different because he randomly kind of goes and chews up the the one that everybody's horny for but then he's he, meanwhile, he just kind of catches a whiff of the fact that it's his reincarnated love. So it takes this whole big swing. Yeah. And I think that's... The I mean, part that's that, a luck
2: for him a bit.
0: Yeah, he saw the locket when Jonathan Harker's in Romania before he gives him to his concubines. It's a whole situation, but he knows from there that he has to go to London, not just because... Kind of in the book where he just wants to, like, get a taste of the new flesh, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think he uh, really the thing that surprises me watching this every time is just kind of this moment where despite all these trials and tribulations, the scene is set with the woman that everyone was in love with. Lucy has died. Everybody's angry. Jonathan Harker returns from captivity and we've got his beloved Winona Ryder, Minna, just married to him and kind of about that life too. But Dracula is in London as well. And they're having a side fling, where she is not really under his charms, at least the film would tell us. Like he, she's, he's not like pouring supernatural the, charms. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you know that he's not pouring the magic Deppish dust or whatever. Where he says, "Do not see me," you know, or whatever. You know, ineffable to quote cats. You know, he is basically just like I am a hot Eastern European man, and she's like I'm so about that. And then he's like I am also a vampire, and she's like That's my life now too. And I think that's a really interesting part of this movie. It's just kind of like. How little work they do to kind of get her to be this almost empathetic lover to Dracula that is totally in it on her own accord, and so that they could write love song for a vampire. Obviously, classic track. But I don't know. Did you do? You guys think that I'm missing some? No, no, no. I there? totally felt
1: the the way that she's Winona Ryder's character is sort of like almost downright says. Yeah, like, Keanu Reeves is, like, the good guy, but I'm kind of really hot for the bad boy. Like, yeah. he yeah. basically is saying, yeah. like, I need, I'm i going to go with Keanu because he's, like, the steady safe, doesn't have a lot of baggage. Yeah. Who I really am in love with is this dashing man with sunglasses, a giant top hat, and can also turn into a bat.
2: With a great goatee. <laughs> yeah, and it also, is. Also, to rewind very briefly, this being Ate the my first time... Friend. This being the first time I've ever seen this, when Keanu Reeves came on screen, I was like, what? Keanu Reeves? He he
0: absolutely dissolves into the role. You can't tell that he's... I mean, I was just surprised
2: by every actor in this entire movie.
0: He was like, who plays Van Helsing? I was like, oh my God. yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: Anthony Hopkins
0: humps a man's leg. Hot
1: off of, in our timeline, hot off his second Oscar win. Yeah. Rolling going through, collect, collect. and then you just
2: get Tom Waits sprinkled in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In the inspired role.
1: casting all around. Richard I don't, don't know what inspired days. Keanu Reeves casting, and I hate to. We might as well have the conversation now. And I hate to rag <laughs> Why on don't you Keanu. Sit down. Yeah, Why don't we sit down? I hate to rag on Keanu, but his performance is just fucking terrible. It is.
2: He's, he said it in interviews. He was exhausted from working on a bunch of other movies and kind of just didn't care about this one. In. And I think yeah. this
0: is the, why the movie, you know, to interrupt Jamie, of course, is, uh, <laughs> is sometimes disparaged as like a full camp, full ironic appreciation movie is because it's known for having this one bad performance, but he's not in it that much. Yeah,
2: he's And then you really
0: are it. stuck with an incredibly earnest movie that isn't Like a laugh riot for ironic viewing.
2: You've got and you've got everybody else given 110% in what was sound stages with practical effects where they could have easily just camped it up or or half reacted. And it's it's all very honest. So it makes the practical effects work even better.
1: That's what I was gonna get at, Cody. And I totally agree that I feel like it's a shame that I just think Keanu Reeves is just straight up miscast and I don't think he's like just read it for the role at all. But because of it, people Almost like consider this like a how did this get made type movie of just ridiculous proportion. He would just like drags it down because he's such a very bright sore spot in this film. That and he's
2: d- like the first introduction you get to.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he's like, like the bastard looks like call or savvy or because just-
2: <laughs> because to start you have Gary Oldman going off. And I was like, wait, am I missing the subtitles here? Like, I don't know what anyone's saying did i put this movie in, in the wrong language and then you get the full intro and then the first like english character you get is keanu reeves with the worst english accent ever <laughs> and so i was like oh man i hope everyone else is trying they, they are yeah and, know, they are. and
0: like you could easily slot like carrie ewells into uh that character oh yeah like, easy, he would probably do, like arthur homerud and harker like aren't really They're kind of two fractions of the same person, like just slot him in. He's fine. Get somebody else to be like there are infinite. It's not a hard role to play. It's just someone who's going to have a certain sense of dignity put into a situation where he's in debauchery and then kind of madness. You know, so like a lot of 1992, 30 year old English actors could have nailed that without it being like. Of Van Helsing where you really have to portray this very specific raging madness or anything like that. Yeah. So it's really just kind of like, all right, let's throw a curveball into, we don't want everybody coming here just to see fucking Richard E. Grant. So <laughs> let's, let's get this guy in here. And you know, that ends up being to its detriment, but I think everybody else is in the movie a lot more. And like, I think, you know, Harker goes right to Romania and gets sucked down by some, vampire concubines for a long time and he's yeah, got a little
2: Monica Bellucci in there. Yeah.
0: Just randomly, you know, as one of the the wives of Dracula. And so I feel like after that, you're really left with like, oh okay, well everybody's really not phoning it in anymore. And I think that leads us to part two of the weirdness of this film or just what sticks out about this film is how horny it is. <laughs> it's just yeah. an incredibly horny movie. I was and not prepared for that. It's just Really, really, really I think sometimes over the top, sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, do we have to just have a boob slip every nine seconds? But (laughs) at the same time, a lot of it I I recognize is like in the Anne Rice area of vampirism. It's like, okay, this is just inherently sexy stuff, like sexual stuff. Like this is you can't really get away from this being a horny what the subtext of Dracula is always horny. So Yeah. I you know, I'd be prude to to push against it, but I do not need a werewolf fucking <laughs> like that that's where I draw the line because that's really early on too, where it's like, That's very early well, on. George I was is, like, we are going you.
2: for this. I need to see all of the behind the scenes of how they set these shots up and what was I'm going sure
0: on. you do, Chris, on Blu-ray. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Although it's
2: annoying because the collector's edition on the on the regular Blu-ray has the cool cover with the armor, but the 4K one doesn't have the cool cover. So now I'm torn.
0: It's a real catch-22. I want whatever copy just says FCC BSD 4K. <laughs> I'll, I'll
2: custom I'll custom make you one too. <laughs> yeah,
0: thank you. But yeah, I think that's um, really why there's a certain like furrowed brow at this movie, just because it's like wow, oh, that's a Stark moment where like something weird happens, but. You know, you could read, I think, two very different articles that could say like there's wild things where they introduce this resurrection narrative and very overt horniness to this movie. But I think there is a huge amount of reference for this movie um, for the things that it gets right about the book and includes to the benefit of the story. And I think to the benefit of being a fun Halloween free for all kind of movie in that it's just like all of Halloween gets horny. Halloween yeah. gets,
2: and I'm. I, who's to say if Bram Stoker could rewrite this now? I'm pretty sure it'd be horny. Yeah, he, if he had the pages. You know, yeah, you he just, just couldn't.
1: It down. I mean, like but every think... vampire story after this is basically just overly sexualized. So it's not that hard of a leap to make to say that.
0: Right, the Anne yeah. Rice influence seeps in, and it's just like, oh, that just makes a ton more sense than somebody just being hungry. But we'll get to that later. But I, I think fun parts of this are just the the twists and turns of like, okay. We're going to arrive at Castle Dracula, which looks like a person sitting down, which is weird, but cool. And we're going to kill <laughs> yeah, Dracula the at the end of this. Awesome. But I think there's just so many moments that make this just an absolute fun watch as just all of the atmosphere is just really, really damp with what the fuck moments of, oh my gosh, this, this weird otherness that is totally unexpected that if I said to Chris... just watched this that his dvd skipped and there was a scene that he didn't see where dracula came out of a lake as a fish monster and dragged a gatekeeper into it and then blood spurted everywhere he'd be like that's totally sure yeah i would
2: (laughs) would pause the recording to go try to watch it yeah you would go be like okay i got a
0: fcc fd bsd i (laughs) was (laughs) yeah Halfway There's through so this movie, much. I
2: was prepared for anything. And for I was I had the biggest grin on my face and was just like, I could not I couldn't imagine going to the movie theater and seeing this with a crowd like this is a Francis Ford Coppola film and I would be in a crowd of, of people in the theater versus just at home. And watch if someone those- arrived to
0: this movie a half hour late, you'd be, they'd be like, what happened? And they're like, they ate a baby and a wolf fucked a
2: woman.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, expect, I expect a lot of people walked out.
2: Yeah, people probably did walk yeah,
0: out. Yeah, to Jamie's point, I think this is something where people probably brought their kids to this. And they were like, it's not your daddy's track. We already told you on the podcast. And they that scene where the turned vampire beloved of so many guys which is kind of a weird character but true to the book of lucy coming down with that toddler like going to midnight snack you know like (laughs) am i gonna watch a child get their head ripped off like i don't know like this movie could get away with anything you know and i think that's part of the real idea of him having free reign over this project to just make it Brahm, Stroker's Dracula, and like this very particular vision makes it like in terms of violence, in terms of horniness, in terms of like weird escapades that deviate from the plot. It holds you in. And it it's an epic, somewhat long movie, but it constantly holds your attention, even when they're talking about like London real estate markets, because you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna need to know this for the next time. Somebody <laughs> like, somebody's throat out is a lizard person or something like that. So I think it's got a
2: it's got stain. You know, power just it. like Sleepy Hollow. It's all about real estate issues.
0: <laughs> Honestly, if you if you think about Halloween, you know, it's about the houses. It's about, yeah, the real, it's about estate. real estate. I it's mean, really Crimson Peak
1: was all about real estate too. I know.
0: Let's look at this list and make a case. <laughs> For real estate. The this guest, is yeah. Where is he a guest? In real estate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Darko, that real estate market on that house. House insurance, look at you know. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> I'm just going to keep looking at the list until I can think of another joke. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) I I think that this has an interesting place in pop culture history just because I think Gary Oldman became iconic for good reasons, but the butthead, right? I think that the adaptation became respected for its correctness, but also lampooned for its deviations, you know? So it's it's very much living in this... uh, I think puts it in 75% Rotten Tomatoes land where it's like, okay, so much of this is good in terms of big swings, but then you have big strikeouts or big moments where people think it falls flat. And I think that's, I wouldn't want anything less. If you're coming out and you're saying, I'm going to have a new artistic vision for a classic thing. And then it's boring and expected. That's the worst possible fate this movie could have. This
2: is a decadent movie.
1: I got a toothache watching this movie.
2: Yeah. To go
1: back, you know, like I said at the beginning, like going with an open mind to this movie and just absorb it like a sponge, like all of the detail and the sensational imagery, because that is really what you're going into with this film. And quite frankly, you won't see many movies like this. And, you know, to kind of connect it to Crimson Peak, like they both are these sort of just incredible... Gothic romance. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Yeah, they're these gothic romances, yeah. which are just going all out in this sort of genre and, like, allowed to, like, have fun and to just, like, giving these two amazing directors, Guillermo del Toro and, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, like, legends and being, like, giving them this money and saying, make this incredible, you know, piece of art, which they both are.
0: I, I do think that my least favorite parts of this movie are when... You have to just spend a bunch of time introducing how characters are going to care about what's going on, which is probably why people don't like the book that much. There's a lot of characters, and you just kind of want there to be a cowboy around. Yeah,
2: I mean, there is a literal cowboy in there, which is which awesome. is
0: great. I'm I'm happy to have him there, but I also kind of don't need to know why,
2: you know. So I think yeah.
0: certain parts of this movie stretch themselves a little bit to be like, hey, Richardie Grant he's uh he's got a heroin addiction he's got this going on I'm like hey man if you told me Richard e. Grant was a kooky scientist he's around for the ride that's fine you and they could have.
2: I feel like they could have pulled away from some of that and added a little bit more to that voyage of the Demeter ride like I kind of wanted a little more in there right you know like a, we had
0: know fighting quote-unquote gypsies not necessarily yeah. great but you know somewhere.
2: but you get a couple amazing shots of him like in in the bo- in the hull of the boat kind of like waking up and going back to sleep and it's like oh i could have i could have stayed there for a few more minutes with a few more murder montages
1: apparently there's a whole a whole movie they're going to make about that voyage yeah the guy oh, who geez. did
2: uh was it scary stories to tell in the dark i think, I think so, so yeah. yeah
1: cinema classic <laughs> <So> <laughs> in the dark. He made. He also made the autopsy of Jane Doe. So
2: you know that's a two pretty... films I have yet to see. How's that one?
1: I like that one a lot.
0: Andre Overdoll. Oh, he's doing the Long Walk movie too.
2: Stephen King one. Billy Lynn's Long Walk.
0: <laughs> Billy, yeah, halftime, <laughs> halftime, full time one Anyway, this is this is compelling. Wait, <laughs> Jamie, so. you were going to say
2: something.
1: Uh, but it, just that they, I know that they are making a movie of that voyage, which is, I think, an interesting premise for a film.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of like the terror, dude. The terror is
1: great. Can we just do a podcast about the terror?
2: Yeah, that'll be our next one. <laughs> the
1: ne- the next yeah. nineteen or twenty picks of this episodes of the terror.
0: <laughs> yeah, just me me talking about the changed ending of the terror and going back and forth about which ending is better. Anyway, another another good. Uh, thing with random monster moments that keep you on your toes, but I will probably in other episodes to come, just to tease and wrap up, say as a rule that if you're a movie that is dealing with well-trodden rules of how monsters work, play with them in fun ways where there's a really earnest sense of referentiality. Perfect example, Shaun of the Dead. Not going to be on the list, but a favorite of mine where it's doing all of the Dawn of the Dead rules, but playing with them in a really fun way and keeping it light and keeping it reflective. Then I think on the other end of that, if you're going to do something really reverent to, you know, the works and not have the sense of like self-referentiality, but it's also like well-trodden ground, I think you should, I like it when things do big swings in different directions where it's like, the zombies don't get killed when you shoot them in the head and there's other implications to be continued. But I, on, on that thought, but I think that this movie is a great example of like, this is definitely a vampire movie. It holds all of the same thematic significance, but you're not just walking the same road over and over again, because there's so many twists, surprises and very interesting for better or worse creative choices. about. It.
1: I wouldn't have it any other way. I would say if you're going to do, if you're going to like take a book that's been adapted poorly (laughs) a million different times might as well actually adapt it faithfully in some regard but also just be like leave a very lasting mark and out of all the draculas like this is certainly the most memorable uh
2: (laughs) yeah at least visually because they what they recently did you know dracula with bbc and netflix and it's like fine it's like overly dramatic they jumped the shark a little bit at the end but it's like this one, I'm just like Dracula
0: turned into a show.
2: <laughs> but I'm ready for it. I believe it.
0: 100%. That's how we got all those guys on the boat. We didn't see it. I, I feel like I walk away from this one just feeling like if this was on at a. It, it's great, visually lush, big, big, bigness, as I keep saying. That plays really well on a screen during a party, big screen where everybody could watch. But you would get a couple seats, asses in seats ass hair hair looking like asses seats joke is in there somewhere uh because it's just really involving and it's like wait a minute what the fuck okay well now i need to understand like where is this going it 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 drags you right in
1: and you I might get some uh walkouts and some side glances when the wolf
0: <laughs> but the ratio is good the ratio is good
2: <laughs> that's early on though the rest of you guys are going to have fun <laughs> yeah
0: but i think that uh just about wraps up our fcc BSD. Thank you for letting me enter that in and make it happen like it's a new part of the lexicon. But I would say that for next time, we've got an exciting movie for you, but uh, sticking in the 90s and we're going to bring it back around to a little bit more low art. And Chris can be extra excited because it's another anthology film, just like good old Trick or Treat. So we will be seeing you ne-
2: Tomorrow. Not next week. Tomorrow. I'm going, you know, two for two here with movies I've never seen before. But this one blew me away. I was thoroughly charmed and excited, and maybe turned on.
0: Yeah. So come back next week for Twilight Saga: New Moon, um, <laughs> one of the best movie soundtracks of the last twenty years, in my opinion. Maybe the best since Annie Lennox's "Love Song for a Vampire." But uh, but yeah, thanks for. Uh, yeah, when
2: that comes on over the credits, man, I was not even prepared for that. Oh, baby. I, I left the credits on. I left them rolling. <laughs> Until tomorrow. <laughs>